Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interviewing the experts to help you thrive and build a business that makes you money. For exclusive offers, bonus content, and weekly episode reminders, join our mailing list at winningwithshopify.com. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anybody who's not tuned in before, welcome to the show. My name's Nick, and I've been hosting the show for just over two years now, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us. If it is your first time, please hit that subscribe button. Please leave us a little review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. It really helps us get the name of the show out there, and it's possibly the way you found the show as well. If you've been listening to the show for a while, as you know, I say every week, a massive thank you for tuning in again, for supporting us, and for being part of this journey that we are on. Today, we've got a very interesting episode. We're going to be talking about augmented reality and how you can bring your web pages on your website, obviously, specifically your Shopify store, how you can bring those to life. Something I'm quite excited about and something I haven't touched on for a very long time now, probably too long, given how amazing some of the technology, both the hardware and the software, is becoming at the moment. Obviously, in August, we're having a bit of a jumble of episodes. We've got different guests every week talking about different things. And also, if you missed last week, I don't want to say go and check it out because it was just me. But I do want to say go and check it out because I was sharing some of my favorite tips. So check out last week if you haven't. And also going back the last few weeks as well, we've had some phenomenal guests, again, sharing some really cool information. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. His name's Gaurav, and he's the founder and CEO of a company called Avatar. So Gaurav, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. And it's a pleasure to be part of your podcast as I've been following it for quite some time and really like the content you present. Excellent. Well, that is very, very kind of you to say that. And yeah, it's one thing to have a have a great guest and another one who actually knows the show, which is quite exciting. And as you know the show, you'll know my next question, which is, before we dive in, tell us a bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about Avatar as well. Sure, Nick. In fact, I've been following your show to the extent that I did even watch the last week's episode that you did, even without a guest. So, uh, <laughs> Excellent. Good stuff. So, but yeah, let me dive into a quick backdrop on me uh, as you introduce, I'm one of the founders at Aftar. Our vision at Aftar, Nick, is to bring spatial depth to visual discovery experiences for the end consumer. While I play the role of chief product officer at Aftar, I'm focused on utilizing the repeatable product market fit that we have built with our partners to deliver higher ROI outcomes for our merchants, as well as a delightful visual discovery for the end consumer. This also flows in from the notion of us being a B2B2C company where we are not only focused on the middle P, which are our partner brands, but also the NC being the consumer. Hmm. So for me personally, it's been over a decade in the consumer tech space with a fair share of it spent at Avatar building and winning Avatar deep tech platform. Amazing. And there's so many different things we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to dive straight into the first point. And we're going to start with something that's not necessarily talking straight about the tech, we're actually going to talk about customer behavior and consumer behavior and how they make decisions. So why don't you give us a bit of an overview from from where you guys are? I'm sure you've done lots of research on this. And as you said, you're not just a B2B, but you're B2B2C brand as well. So your tech needs to work for consumers. Talk us through the how consumers make decisions and where some of the complexities start to come in on that. That's a very valid question, Nick, because as you as all of us know, right, we are in unprecedented times today. 
at a very mm-hmm. human level the world has been changing whether we look at economic social environmental or even political angles there is sort of an upheaval going across the world the world as it stands today is not the same as it was 2 years ago in fact it's not even the same as it was 2 quarters ago mm. this definitely brings in inconsistency in consumer behavior from what they say to what actually they value and expect from organizations to add to that paradox you know today 2/3 of, of the consumers feel that this paradoxical behavior is very human and they are very comfortable with it to the extent that they want organizations to accept it while building for them this this can kind of become so evident when you look at some of the recent consumer studies one of which states that 64% of consumers want businesses to evolve faster to meet their changing needs while on the other hand 88% of the businesses respond that their consumers are changing faster their businesses can keep up so this divide is clearly there the relevance gap as we see it definitely exists in our own journey we have also seen that but before i touch upon that i would also like to call out nick over here that this paradox sort of in, uh, in the behavior of consumers have existed forever it's not something new it's just the times that we are in today have made the importance of uh, bridging this relevance gap even more critical but in our journey we saw it first and very early in the tarch phase in fact the first beta that we launched we had a very high nps of 9 with our consumers through the customer reviews and the calls that we did still our 12 week retention period was very low what kind of eventually came out of the exercise that we did is even though the consumers are liking the platform they are enjoying the 3d photorealism that we have put they are struggling with the bandwidth issues which the platform brings along with it that's where it also brings in, brought in the brought in compression as the second pillar of our evolution today as we stands the two key pillars of our platform are photorealism which is about cre- creating highly realistic rendition of the products that we showcase to the consumer before they can make a purchase decision and the second and equally important one being compression which makes our experiences bandwidth friendly for consumers across the globe and this is something which came from the consumers which they were not actually stating it out loud but they definitely needed it so it's this is where the need for businesses to evolve comes in in terms of tracking the insights from consumer behavior and responding to them as fast as they can so that the relevance gap is always reduced yeah definitely definitely right there's loads in that so we're going to unpack some of those bits you've just said and I'm going to ask a few more questions on some of them as well first point i want to make is i i completely agree with the consumers i mean I, i always use the word either irrational or just completely illogical when we've looked at things like google analytics and hotjar and tried to work out what's the customer's journey been between sort of you know the first moment they hear about your brand to actually purchasing something it's just completely irrational you know one minute they're on the terms and conditions page and the next minute they're looking at offers and you're like none of this makes any sense and if you try and map out customer journeys and and that sort of thing you, you will find that every single customer journey through your website that's ever happened is pretty much unique. There's very few journeys that are similar in terms of every traffic source they've used, every page they've looked at, etc. And I think you're absolutely right. We need to, you know, we need to embrace that and understand that. But I think it's quite interesting those stats you've shared about how quickly businesses are moving or how they feel like they're struggling to keep up in terms of the technology that their customers and consumers want from them. So you mentioned compression 
I mean, as an SEO guy, let's talk about that for a second. Compression, I mean, compressing things so they load quickly, they, you know, bandwidth, they don't crash your internet connection or take up so much bandwidth that it starts to break. How much of an issue do you think this is at the moment? Like, you know, it's 2022, we've got Shopify and Shopify Plus and out the box, they're generally really good, fast web platforms. How much of an issue is this at the moment? Well, it has always been, Nick, and I believe it will always remain a critical aspect in consumer experiences. The reason being that no matter how fast we make the experiences to load, there's still an expectation from the consumer lens to make it even better. So that makes the importance of solving for compression upfront for your platform, for your e-store or your website, very critical. At large scale, what we see is that every extra second of load time could lead to millions of dollars of loss in revenue. And that's how critical compression even in today's state is as we stand at the cusp of, let's say, uh, 5G era, which would soon be unfolding in front of us. But no matter how good the hardware becomes with the devices or how fast the bandwidth comes up, the aspect of making it more seamless, even faster for the end consumer will always remain. And that's a sort of journey that we all should, would always be more so from a technology perspective where we are trying to better what we have today in terms of what we are building for tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, as, as, a, as an SEO person, I, I'm still staggered how often we're here talking about page speeds. I mean, it's come up on probably two, possibly even three client calls I've been on today alone talking about page speed and then then Google's changed the rules again with things like CLS and, you know, with the layout changes or LCP, where it's how long does the biggest item take to load on a web page? So Google are trying to make it easier for people. But it's interesting that you say that, you know, it'll never be fast enough for consumers. And I guess one way of looking at that is we started with 3G internet on phones and everyone was like, wow, this is so fast. And then we got 4G and it was like, okay, that's amazing. And obviously we've got 5G, which, you know, in a lot of cities, 5G is phenomenally quick. But things like ping speeds, which apologies if we're losing anybody here, <laughs> just you know, given that this is getting a little bit technical, but even ping speeds and things are struggling to keep up. I think, as you say, if, even if we doubled the speed of all of that, we would then start trying to deliver more through the websites, you know, through the actual landing pages that, that people are, are looking at and the, the content they're absorbing online. So let's let's bring that into one thing that, you know, in terms of page speed is if I'm if I'm honest from a page speed perspective, it's terrifying. And that is the thought of adding augmented reality into a web page. So why don't we start by just, you know, what is augmented reality? Sure. Let me start with what it has been in the past. So what has augmented reality been looked at initially as a was it's a toy or a gimmick in terms of experience for consumers to look at? But the latest study from even Shopify that you would look at, now from being a toy or a gimmick, augmented reality along with 3D have become the way shoppers want to evaluate products before buying them. Now, uplift of augmented reality over videos is also now well documented and proven to the extent that, well, videos over a 2D image can get you an uplift of 60% in terms of conversion. AR has proven to get you a conversion uplift of 94% and above. That's the higher confidence that a buyer gets by looking at a product in AR. And it's also leading to lower return rates, so eventually creating a win-win for all the parties in the ecosystem. But AR as a technology, uh, if I were to just double-click on that aspect, it allows the consumer to interact with the product, 
to try on the product on themselves or try out the product in their physical environment as they are in currently, as well as personalize it with variants and color choices before making a purchase decision. That's the pain point that uh, AR has been working towards solving. And it has been successful in that journey as well till date because as we stand today, there's 71% of consumers out there who say they who would shop more often if they get AR. While there are 60% who say they prefer retailers with AR experiences on their e-store or website. And this last one is slightly mind-boggling, but I was also surprised when 40% of the consumers ended up saying that they are ready to pay more for a product which they can customize in AR. So that's where the power and journey of AR stands today. And the part that it has traversed from being a toy or a gimmick to something which has become an integral part of our purchase behavior online. I mean, one thing I love, and not enough for guests do this. So if you've been on the show before and you're listening to this, bring more stats. These stats are phenomenal. Um, <laughs> and I think that, for example, 40% of people said they would spend more if they could customize the product using AI. It's just absolutely, I mean, as you said, that is absolutely staggering. I guess the next question, which is probably quite an obvious one, is we're talking about augmented reality and AI. Give us a use case. Like, what kind of shop would use it? How would they use it? What would this actually do? What would it look like to the consumer? So the way shops and merchants are today already using it, Nick, is they're upgrading their product experience from the erstwhile 2D images and videos to a life-size interactive 3D experience, one which user can look at in the web viewer itself or using AR and their camera device place that product in the physical environment and that's where the try on and try out both aspects come in but where the journey today starts for most in most of the cases for end consumer is on the product page when they land up on a product page for a particular item that they are looking to purchase they see the images and videos being complemented with this 3d ar experience which they can activate if they are so the the 3d experience works across both laptops and mobiles so if they are coming from even a laptop they can experience the 3d part of it and if they are coming from mobile they can also take that product to their own environment where try on on their own self so if you are talking about fashion accessories jewelry, beauty, footwear, those kind of categories. A consumer today can try on those categories on themselves, see how the item fits on them, how it looks on them. So look and fit is obviously one important aspect that AR is solving. And then make a purchase decision. Similarly, if you go to other categories like furniture, durables, home decor, sports and equipment, then the consumers can look at the tryout aspect, which is taking that product, again, starting the journey from that product page, but now taking that life-size 3D product to their own environment, like a sofa in your living room to a refrigerator in your kitchen. See how it fits over there, how it goes with the decor, and then making a purchase decision for themselves. And I think that that's the amazing thing, isn't it? The fact that you can actually see, for example, yourself wearing the product even though you're still there just with your phone. You don't, you're not holding the physical product itself. I mean, a couple of great use cases that I've seen over the years. One was on like an art website where you could use your phone and actually move your phone with a camera on using their application. You could move it around the room and you could actually see artwork on your walls to then decide what size it needs to be, what, you know, what colours you want to go for and therefore what sort of picture or piece of art you want to put on the wall. And also seen a very similar thing as well with, with sofas. 
where you could take a picture of, you know, your current sofa. And then this website would start putting the sofa, putting new sofas in its position so you can see what they're going to look like. And I guess probably the biggest use case that I've seen that's worked incredibly well is that there are quite a few brands in the US and UK now and, and other countries as well that they sell glasses and you can actually try on the glasses. You literally just take your glasses off your face, record a very short video where you'll literally just look to the left, look to the right. And then any pair of glasses you click on, it will show you that same video wearing different pairs of glasses from their website to show you how they're going to sit on, sit on your face and on your nose and, uh, you know, and, sit and see what the actual sizing's like, the colours, how big the lenses are, all this sort of stuff. So it's incredibly powerful, you know, certainly as a tool. And I guess a, a really big question then is, this all sounds great, but there have been great things in the past and consumers haven't actually used them. So when you guys are using your tech on sites, do you find that consumers are using it? Are there any stats to support, you know, an uplifting conversion or an uplifting engagement, given that that has happened? Totally, Nick. We have seen great traction with end consumers in our journey till date to first click on some of the stats out there. So in terms of sales conversion uplift, what we have seen is it ranges between 120% to 250% in just in the matter of uplift that we have delivered for our partners, depending on the category and the context. In terms of engagement, we have seen four minutes to seven minutes of sessions that a consumer has had with every product that they have interacted with, which had 3D and AR enabled. Even in terms of the product page to cart visits, we have seen 60% and more uplift in that happening, as well as reduction in returns. So we have been seeing value being created for merchants as well as for the end consumer throughout the funnel at each stage, wherever we have integrated our 3D experiences. Nice, nice. And I mean, again, I've said this already, I, I'm so excited to see this technology more on sites because it's such a, you know, it, it literally brings the digital and physical worlds together. And I think that's that's one of the most exciting parts of this. Are there any particular scenarios you've seen that have been incredibly powerful? Like, are there any particular clients you guys have got that are using your tech that you're finding, you know, they, they've done something really clever with it that you could share with us? So the aspect of the physical and digital coming together neck is a very important one and let me build on that to also give you the example which has kind of also taken this to the next level from the experiences today but digital as an as an aspect of or the capability of augmented reality is a very strong one today we have always been talking about the offline online divide or in terms of what a physical store do or what a digital store can do or cannot do in either aspects where we are focused on today is the digital part where we combine both physical and digital journey for the end consumer. So it's about depending on the context where they are, giving them the experience of 3D and AR places that irrespective of whether it's in the offline store or on the online e-store of the merchant. So just in similar aspect with one of the large marketplaces in the US in the electronic space, what we have built is not only the 3D AR experiences for their consumers on the website, but also now powering their physical stores where their consumer could come in and then start seeing the uh, an infinite aisle of 
products been showcased something which the retail space has always been plagued with as one of the constraints that you cannot ever have enough of shelf space to stock all the products that you want but with ar experiences what we have solved for in the physical space is providing an infinite aisle or a selection of products for the consumers walking into that store similar to what they would have gotten on the online store of the marketplace so that's where we have seen a lot of potential being unlocked for the end consumers by bringing in this context of the space that they are in and helping them solve for that context i think that's amazing i i did walk into one shop and it was a little pop up store about a year or two ago and i remember going in and there were just sort of three or four imacs like apple imac computers in the store and that was it and i sort of thought what what is this so i kind of walked in and said you know what kind of shop is this and she basically, you know, the lady there basically said, oh, we've got millions of products and you can find them all on this computer. You order them and then we either post them to your house or we bring them into the store and you can pick them up tomorrow. And I said, well, why would you do that? And she said, well, it's much cheaper for us to store everything outside of London. Plus, what's the point of us bringing all the stock here and having it all out where it's going to get dusty and dirty and, you know, over time. And then we're going to lose that stock. It's quite a lot of waste. So instead of doing that, we order it in. You can try it on when it arrives. If you don't like it, it gets put back in a bag, back to the warehouse. And then we never have any waste. And I thought it's a really interesting way of doing it. And exactly as you've said, within reason, they essentially have almost uh, infinite stock, which I think is quite exciting because, you know, there's, there's other use cases for it as well. I think, of, for example, when you look at, um, you know, if you went to buy a sofa, they could say, well, look, these are five sofas, all different sizes and different colours. And then you can choose the colour you want, the size you want, the design you want, the fabrics you want. And we've got all the different swatches and then we will make that sofa for you. And I think, again, it's quite a nice way of actually kind of packaging it all up rather than just to choose between those five sofas. You might need 200, 300 different sofas if you had every design, every colour all set up, a lot of which would never actually get purchased. And so I think it's, it's in this day and age, we're trying to reduce waste. I think it's a really interesting model, actually, which is, yeah, which is very cool. Where, where do you think things are going then? And certainly in terms of augmented reality and you know, getting people to buy through these kind of shopping channels that are a bit more inventive online. Do you see that becoming more of the norm? Do you, do you think there's another evolution coming that is going to outdate this at some point? Well, definitely, yes, Nick. As we stand today, there are over a billion people globally who have already interacted with AR on their mobile devices. And to the extent that we have had 100 million plus of AR shoppers already in the ecosystem. So in terms of the evolution happening, I think the inflection has already sort of dawned upon us. And that's what we are looking at to the extent that today, even from an end consumer reach perspective, our platform supports 3.5 billion devices globally, which even just two years back, end of you know 2019, early 2020, would have been a much smaller fraction of it. So when and this inflection nick happens when both software and hardware come together at the same point and this is what has happened fortunately for ar as well over the course of last two years in terms of the hardware evolution of course the chipsets that the mobile devices have have been able to support these gpu intensive experiences that an ar or a 3d experience needs and similarly on the software side with the evolution of web ar and the more streamlined experiences for the end consumer we are now able to deliver this to so many devices for the end consumers that's where we have seen the uptake and the uplift for ar also happening without which i probably we wouldn't be having this conversation today right and uh, <laughs> yes. but 
just maybe to add to that what has also helped ar beyond the hardware and the software evolution is also how the ecosystem over the last two years have evolved especially in the post pandemic worlds we have been seeing that tailwinds uh, with consumers needing more innovative solution solutions that can help them while they are at home or helping them make the right decisions in the context they are so that also have helped the space a lot and it has helped to the lot that we are today talking about contextual reality and when we talk about contextual reality from a task perspective what we are building on is making sure that whatever the user is looking at wherever they are we are delivering value for them and when i say that of course the physical aspect has come into play but it's more about helping consumers make the right decision and that's the value that we are trying to unlock in this equation now what we are doing just as one of the examples under con- contextual reality bracket is allowing a consumer to carry their homes along with them so let's say if you are going from one store to other just extending the example of purchasing a sofa in the offline ecosystem you could today carry your living room with you and when you look at any physical sofa you would be allowed to use the virtual version of that and place it into the virtual living room that you're carrying along with you and then make a very informed decision as to how the sofa would look in my space instead of you having to visualize that how this physical one will sit in the living space that you have now because you're carrying the virtual space along with you and you have a virtual version uh, version of that product also to interact with that's the power that we are bringing under the whole umbrella of contextual reality for the end consumer in terms of solving their pain points definitely i think i think it's it's really exciting actually I mean, i've always looked at aug- augmented reality as just being there's a product and a website and you can you know walk around your house and see what it would look like in your house but i think you've just given a completely opposite example of that of actually taking the house with you i think is really exciting i I, th- I think certainly with a bigger, bigger, more considered purchase, it's such an important thing. Um, I mean, a, a lot of people have said over the years, you know, I, I'd never buy certain items on the internet. And I think the, you know, the glasses example I gave is a good example of that. You know, I want to try them on. I want to see how it's going to look. And I remember a lot of people years ago saying that they would never buy items of clothing without trying them on first. Yet here we are. You know, people buy clothes online all day, every day. It's it's an absolutely phenomenally big industry and something that the the high street, you know, the physical shops have had to get used to and get, you know, fully understand. Um, going back to the clothing example, give us a bit of an overview as, as to how that actually works. Because obviously with clothing, there are so many different sizes, you know, especially with different genders, different types of products. I mean, you know, if a man's going to buy a new suit... You've got chest size, waist size, arm size, height, neck size, all this sort of stuff. How does augmented reality, or how does, how does your app work with all those different measurements? Well, fashion has been the most difficult segment, Nick, I would say. And that's why we started out with fashion. We took the toughest battle up front and started building for that. Because once you have solved the equation for the fashion consumers, you have actually solved it for all the other verticals as well because the bar is all, is the highest in the fashion category now in terms of the product evaluation uh, and i'll come to the try on after that but in terms of product evaluation when you look at fashion apparel specifically there are a lot of physics involved in it body to cloth physics 
cloth to cloth physics how the motion would work as you kind of you know drape the cloth how the gravity and the density would work out so we had to solve for all of that upfront in terms of capturing the actual laws of nature and applying that to the ar experience that we are building now when it comes to the try on aspect what we also realize is that the, there is a concept called uncanny valley nick which exists which is making the experiences look eerie if it's very close to being real but not ex- exactly real so that's where i would say the concept of human avatars stand today they're slightly in that uncanny valley zone where getting the right avatar in terms of the body shape in terms of the aspects that you would want to see the technology is not there to support that part but having said that we are also building uh, nerf tech which we unveiled earlier this year just in fact couple of months back at awe where we are enabling uh, our neural radiance field enable uh, power tech to create uh, human holograms in life size form and create a highly photorealistic rendition of the aspect that you are looking at of it could be the fashion apparel or any other product that you want to build along with it so we have been taking a very different approach to solving this problem nick because we understood also in our journey that uncanny valley is an aspect that we don't want to dive into and try to solve where when it has existed for decades and there is no real technological solution today which can solve for that so we kind of evolved beyond that using our nerf tech which can solve for fashion apparel in a very different way for the end consumer nice nice i mean I, i've used asos's app a couple of times where you can put in well they might have changed it now but you used to be able to put your measurements in and then they had lots of different models and they would use ai to put products on those models so they would choose a model that had a similar sort of size and fitting to yourself but yeah i think as you say i mean actually making a hologram and stuff like that is is, is unbelievable i mean that is a completely different level to anything that's been available there uh, to date and i think i mean bringing it back to kind of e-commerce and, and shopify is it, it, it's just amazing the fact that you'd be able to actually try on clothing create a you know guess what it's called why you guys are called avatar but create an avatar of yourself to then be able to put products on that, whether that's your body, your house, um, you know, or anything else, or even, you know, e- even using uh, augmented reality to look at, you know, a lot of car brands use it, for example. So you can have a proper walkthrough, you know, 360 video while somebody is driving along in that car to see what all the different lights look like and, you know, what the sounds are and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's, it's amazing seeing where this sort of stuff is going and, you know, going back to what we're talking about, the trends and what's going to happen next. It'd be interesting to see if people actually start wearing headsets because that's always been where sort of VR, AR has sat is, yeah, people wearing headsets and having that kind of, you know, experience. I think a lot of people are sort of slowly getting used to the fact that you can do that from your desktop computer or your mobile phone as well, which is, uh, yeah, which is very exciting. And then most importantly, you know, let, let's talk about Avatar. So you guys obviously have a Shopify app, you know, you integrate straight into Shopify. Tell us more about Avatar. Like where, where do you guys come into this process? You know, if somebody has a currently running a Shopify store and they're thinking, right, I want to add some augmented reality, some VR, what what's the sort of process of, of getting started with you guys? Sure. And you're spot on, Nick, in terms of the trends that we are seeing. If I could just add a little bit more onto that while kind of bringing in Avtar's context as well. As we all have seen, and it's kind of, as, I, as I was mentioning earlier, it's proven that the uplift 3D and AR is there. But still, not every retailer, not every merchant has been able to adopt it. It's also because it needs a certain level of tech expertise as well as the content 
to support and go into these experiences. So that's a, there's a first aspect that our AI and computer vision platform has worked uh, till date in terms of solving is bringing the self-service part to both demand and supply. What it means is that on the demand side, where the merchant and the tech integration piece sets, we have built an out-of-the-box product for Shopify and for other headless ecosystems as well, which is like a single-click app on their marketplaces. So any merchant can come today, download our app on Shopify's marketplace and start go live with 3D hair experiences, start publishing those experiences on their product pages just at a click of a button. There is no coding part required. So it's a no-code platform that we have brought to the merchants. And at a global level for merchants who cannot even can fathom the thought of building these complicated experiences, we have packaged this whole solution and brought to them. Now, when it comes to supply, again, the self-service part is very critical to bring in scalability, to bring in consistency in terms of photorealism that the consumer is looking for. That's where our turnkey solution comes into play and our nerve tech, as I was referring to earlier, which can take any existing 2D image or a 2D video of a product and create a life-size 3D out of that. That allows any merchant to just use our app, take images or videos of their existing product and start creating 3D products out of that without the need of any external partner, any 3D experts in, in the mix to create that. So, and it's a matter of minutes. So you get the product in a matter of 20 odd minutes using our tech. So the 3D products, which as well used to take days and sometimes weeks for an artist to build, our Nerf tech can build that in a matter of 20 minutes straight in a fully automated solution. So that is first aspect or the first critical thing that I see in the ecosystem evolving, which is the self-service part, which we need to solve on the both demand and supply side. Second, what we are focused on is, as I was mentioning earlier about contextual reality, which is sort of ascendance of the digital experiences in the ecosystem, which is making camera your homepage so that whatever you see, you can just dive into the context where you are and start exploring the product that you are looking at in the context that you want to make the purchase decision, just helping the consumers to make the right choice, leading to lower returns and an overall much better experience out of it. Uh, and third and equally important one is what you were also touching upon, Nick, in terms of the AR glasses, right? So we are at the cusp of Web 3.0 era and the metaverse era, as it's more commonly called. So how we see it is that AR glasses over the course of this decade would become mainstream. Now, in whatever form these variables come to life, what it will ensure is that the AR experiences become persistent around the consumer. Because if, let's say, you are having a variable like an AR glass on, you would, it's it's like always live. It's always on in that context that you can, at any point, start interacting with an experience. And it kind of blends into with your, phys- blends with your physical environment. So that's the third trend I would say that you, we would see and that's what Aptar has been working on. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this, I, th- I feel like we could talk for hours if we uh, if we had the time on this. I, I think one of the really exciting things you mentioned actually is someone can start using your tech very, very quickly. And I think one of the dangers I've, I've certainly always had in it, it used to be the case with video, 
but things have changed with video is in the olden days when video first came out and when i say the olden days i'm talking sort of five or ten years ago <laughs> not a million years ago but when video first came out it was it, it was a real challenge to get video shot and actually shoot a video edit a video and get it ready you know it could cost thousands of pounds whereas now we're all walking around with basically film studios in our pockets on our phones and i think the fact that you've just said as well with augmented reality when i first looked at things like vr and ar and we, we certainly looked at it in the property space a long time ago where you could actually see a new development and walk around it purely virtually before the first brick had even been laid in the actual development but even then i mean that would take you know weeks months sometimes even years to actually build that piece of software to show that building and obviously when you're building a building there's a lot of money at stake it's incredibly valuable there's millions of pounds worth of homes that are going to be sold or office space and therefore there's the budget for it so I think being able to just, you know, pretty pretty easily just connect a Shopify app into uh, into Shopify and within sort of 20 or 30 minutes start to actually make this stuff work, I think is phenomenal. I think certainly deserves a lot of credit. Thank you for the kind words, Nick. It's been years of effort that we have put behind making this platform and bringing it to the end consumer via the merchants across these headless ecosystems. Lovely. Well, look, it's been great to have you on the show today. If people want to find your app or want to come to your website or reach out to you guys, what is the best way for them to do that? So, as I said, we are live across Shopify and a few other headless ecosystems. So, on their marketplaces, they can just look up Avtar. That's A-V-A-T-A-A-R. Uh, we are Avtar with an additional A. Uh, so, they can find us on those marketplaces. Or, uh, of course, they can come to our website, which is avtar.ai. And we, we have all the links to the different uh, integrations that we power today. Amazing. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us. It's been completely my pleasure, Nick. And as I said at the very beginning, thanks for having me. It's been a very fun conversation with you today and learned a lot from your perspective. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, I've certainly learned a lot about AR and VR today. I think it's, yeah, as I say, incredibly interesting space. And for anybody listening and tuning in at home or wherever you are right now, thank you so much for joining us back again next week and as i say august is being a bit of a jumble of different episodes so i don't actually know the exact topic for next week because i think byron's got three or four different options in the uh, in the diary right now so um, we'll be back again next week i can't tell you what with but i'm sure it's going to be amazing so thanks for listening we'll catch you again soon thanks for listening to today's podcast you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com and don't forget to check out our facebook group by searching for winning with shopify on facebook over and out.